Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Guardians 3, the Oakland Athletics 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. Because this is why I love watching baseball being played. Anything can happen. You never leave the game early. You never know. Don't tell me what the win probability is. I think the Guardians were down to like an 8% chance of winning the game in that ninth inning. And uh, they're able to come all the way back. All the way back. It was a 91, 93. They got it as high as a 93% win probability. The Oakland A's did. And the Guardians are able to come all the way back in the rain in the ninth inning, facing a very good closer who was 10 for 11 on saves, Danny Jimenez. And they're able to get to him, and they're able to win this game. So let's get into it. I mean, it's just incredible. The the magic, uh, you know, the progressive field magic. It used to be the Jacobs field magic. Now it's the progressive field magic. Uh, the young guys never giving up. Uh, the veteran guys doing what they have to do, leading by example. It's incredible. Someone on Twitter, I got to give credit where credit's due, at 33 Milner on Guardian's Twitter, called them the Guardiac Kids, which if you know your Cleveland sports history, the Cardiac Kids was the nickname of the 19, I believe it was 1980s Cleveland Browns team that had a bunch of comfort behind victories. They had a lot of heart, the Cardiac Kids. So he called them the Guardiac Kids. I love it. Some Connecting some Cleveland history right there. Um, I mean, the storyline is the ninth inning. It's the bottom of the ninth inning. Nothing else in this game ends up mattering. And we will get into all of it. We'll get into Tristan McKenzie. We'll get into Paul Blackburn because it was an interesting pitcher's duel. But the ninth inning is where it's all at. Danny Jimenez comes in for the save, and he's got to face Jose Ramirez in his first at-bat, his first batter. Starts him off with a slider in the dirt, and then comes back with a four-seam fastball at the knees on the middle of the plate. And Jose Ramirez was not messing around. He wasn't going to shoot this one up the middle. He wasn't going the opposite way. He was putting this one in the seats. I mean, the confidence in this swing, 108.5 mile per hour exit velocity, 415 feet to the seats in right center field, and no doubt about it, absolutely destroyed home run. And what a way to, again, lead by example. I'm not in the clubhouse. I don't know how verbally Jose Ramirez is a leader in the clubhouse. But when you talk about leading by example, my God, to get up there and just absolutely mash a home run to kick off this ninth inning, to say, I'm not giving up. He had already done his part in the game. He already had two doubles in the game. He already had two extra base hits in the game. He was already doing his part to try to win this game. But then ask him to come up again in the ninth inning. He's he's still doing a 2 nothing game. Against a closer, doesn't matter. Still in there fighting. And frankly, you know, throw, throw Ramirez a fastball, you know, in that situation. Put it at the knees, that's fine. That's a pitch he can easily handle. A down fastball, he can turn and crank that thing. So he kicks us off. Then uh, Josh Naylor ends up working a walk. He lays off a bunch of sliders down in the dirt. They were, I guess, staying away from the fastball. He throws him one fastball that he fouls off. Um, he did get him to chase one slider um, that was uh, down. He did get him to chase one down there. Tried to go back down there two more times. Couldn't get him to chase down in the zone. 
So Naylor ends up working a walk. Obviously, they go to a pinch runner because Naylor with the injury and uh, he's not the fastest runner to begin with. So that's what Mercado is sitting on the bench for. Uh, after Reyes comes back, will this still be Mercado's job? I, I don't know. We will find out. But Mercado goes in as the pinch runner. Uh, Gonzalez then, Oscar Gonzalez comes up. How many times did this guy come up in big situations? He lays off a low fastball for ball one and then gets a slider uh, breaking away from a little bit at the knees and he is able to rocket this thing. It's not considered a hard hit ball, but I think we could all agree 92.4 mile per hour exit velocity is still pretty hard hit. And he's able to shoot it past the third baseman down the left field line. Mercado almost overruns third base. Uh, I mean, the stop sign was up. Mercado oof, almost overruns. That could have blown up the whole inning right there. He's able to get back to the bag. So we got runners on second and third with nobody out. And then uh, that brings up uh, Andres Jimenez and Oakland. This shows you the respect. We talked about earning some respect around the league as far as all-star voting goes. This shows you the respect that Andres Jimenez is gaining around the league. I mean, yes, there's a base opening and you're probably going to create the force, but they intentionally walk him in this situation in the ninth inning. They don't want to pitch to him. Yes, it's the baseball move. I get it. There's a base open. You're trying to create a force at every base so that you could try to get out of this game. If you have to go home, you get the force at home. If you have to turn a double play and give up the tying run, you can live with it probably. Um, But yeah, I get you're setting up the force, but still... It's the ninth inning, and they're intentionally walking Andres Jimenez. There's a little something to that. I mean, so a huge at-bat from Gonzalez. Jimenez gets the walk, and then Owen Miller comes up. Frankly, I think he was a little bit mad at himself for swinging at the first pitch. It looked like there was a little something in his body language that was like, oh, damn it, like, I kind of wasted this at-bat. But he swings at the first pitch, and he gets it deep enough into center field. I mean, he still hits it 99.1 miles per hour out into center field. It's an, it's a lazy fly ball out there to center. Pache comes charging in, but Mercado scores easily from third base. The throw goes into third, so it holds the runners at first and second because they're still trying to get out of the inning. It ties the game up, so it's a good job by Owen Miller. Sometimes you got to do the dirty work. And even if you're not happy with yourself for the swing, yes, I'm sure you wanted to hit one in the gap and hit a walk-off double or a home run to win the game. Probably. But he knows his job there. His job is to get it into the outfield deep enough that Mercado can tag and score. That runner at third is all that matters, and he got him in. And he got him in. All right, so they go to their bullpen. Uh, Jimenez gives up the tying run. So he is out of there. Sam Mole comes in, and he's got to face Stephen Kwan. And apparently Stephen Kwan, you know, some guys are a bunt specialist, right? They're just great at laying down that bunt for the base hit. You know, there's a few guys throughout baseball history that could do that. Apparently Kwan's thing is chopping one in front of the plate. Two nights in a row, I think, right? Or two out of the last three nights. Maybe it's two nights in a row. He's chopped one out in front of the plate and beat it out for a single. This time he chops it towards the shortstop position. Um, you know, it's a uh, it's a sinker. It's a two seam sinker, kind of right down the middle of the plate um, on a 0-1 count, and uh, he's able to make contact with it. He hits it 93 miles per hour, so he you know he hits it decent enough, but he chops it straight in tw- minus 29 degree launch angle, so straight into the ground, um, six feet in front of the plate. That was the distance on the hit. 
but it's such a big chop that Andrews has to sit back on it. And Andrews' defense has been fantastic all night. We'll get into it, but Andrews was making plays to his left, to his right. This was the one play he couldn't make. He tries going to second because he knows he's got to get the ball out of his hand quickly. He goes for the shorter throw. He tries to get the force out of Andres Jimenez at second base. Jimenez beats it out. I think Francona said, I think Mandy Bell had in her article after the game, that Jimenez might be dealing with a little bit of a soft tissue thing in his leg that might be slowing him down a little bit. But not on that play. He knows what he has to do. And he goes in like a missile to second base um, and gets the feet in there before the throw. So it loads the bases up. Quan gets the, uh, they call it a single. Okay. I was wondering because the throw went to second if it would be a fielder's choice. But he gets the single. Everybody's safe. Bases are loaded. And that brings up Luke Maley. And uh, he works the count on him. He works the count. He throws him a ton of, my God, uh, I think the scouting report is to throw Luke Maley's sliders away. He throws him five sliders in this at-bat, all centered around the outside edge of the plate. Gets a slider on the, ooh, just outside for a called strike one. Throws him another slider down the middle of the plate that he fouls off. Goes back outside and he lays off it. It was a close pitch, but lays off it for uh, ball one. Then he throws him one way outside, almost throws one to the backstop, almost gives up the game right there. And uh, it's a 2-2 count now. And boy, what do you think Luke Maley's looking for, huh? You think he's looking for that two-seam sinker? No, another slider on the outside edge. Throws him five in a row. This one, he only hits 81.5 miles per hour. It's only 255 feet out to right field. Ramon Laureano almost falls down out in right field, but it's deep enough. The throw is a little bit up the first base side of home plate. Gonzalez comes charging home, decides it's not even worth sliding. He just sprints right across the plate with the catcher being pulled off the plate. Now, if that throws on the plate, that is a very close play. Very close play. But we've said it a million times on this show. All you got to do is put it in play. They have to catch it, throw it, and catch it again. And the throw is what gets them. Uh, it's not an accurate throw, and Gonzalez sprints across home plate. It's a walk-off from Maley. He said in the post-game interview, you know, in those situations, you just try to slow things down. You don't let the game speed up on you. You just try to slow things down. Put the ball in play. Make your contact. It's something that the Guardians hitting staff has been preaching all season. When you think the change in hitting coach has had any effect on this team, my God. It's it's like a whole new it's a whole new team out there, I you know coaching I you know you usually don't see the impact, but I think we're all seeing it this season. There's a new voice and it's definitely paying dividends in the Guardians clubhouse in their at bats. So mainly delivers the walk off. He gets mobbed at first base. It's a party at Progressive Field with the rain coming down. Can you ask for anything better? Right? Can you ask for anything better than a big walk-off win, a three-run rally in the ninth inning? That's pretty incredible stuff, Guardians fans. So we get treat, we get a treat on this night. Uh, we get an amazing win, uh, and we're one of the hottest teams in baseball. Now we're playing some of the worst teams in baseball, which helps Kansas City, Texas, Oakland. But this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you pad your wins. This is how you become a 90-win team, right? You have to pad your wins against the bad teams in the league. So it's huge to come up with this win, uh, not let one slip away against Oakland, who's one of the worst teams in the league, now on a 10-game losing streak. Uh, yeah, they're 
they're kind of the bottom of the barrel right now. Nobody is in a worse losing streak than them in baseball with the Angels breaking their losing streak two nights ago. So uh, you got to keep beating up on them. You got to keep getting these wins because the schedule will get tough again. And these wins, having these wins under your belt is definitely going to help at the end of the season. So it's good stuff from the Guardians. They're now two games over 500. Uh, Minnesota did win, but, uh, you know, we're right on their heels, man, in the American League Central. It is going to be a race. All right. So that was the big storyline from the game, the ninth inning rally. What else happened in this game? A few more things about the Guardians offense, because they did have some chances to score a few times in this game. Uh, Jose Ramirez did have two doubles in this game, both into the left field corner. Uh, one was a fastball that he roped. One was a high ch- uh, outside fastball that he shot the opposite way. One was a hanging breaking ball that he also shot down the left field line. Unfortunately, they couldn't bring him in to score on any of those doubles. It's the home run that finally gets him across the plate. Uh, they also had a chance to score uh, in the uh, third inning, was it? Yeah, they put together a rally. Unfortunately, Jose Ramirez would fly out on this one. Uh, hits it decently enough to right field with two men on base. Austin Hedges singled. Ahmed Rosario had singled. Uh, and Jose Ramirez flies out and Naylor lines out softly behind second base. Uh, this was just a great play by Andrews getting back on a ball, reading a ball off the bat really well. Like I said, Andrews was making plays all over the field. He had diving stops to his left. He had stops to his right, deep in the hole. He was making accurate throws. Andrews was playing some serious defense at shortstop. Not to mention their third baseman, who absolutely robbed Ahmed Rosario of a hit late in the eighth inning. Uh, Kevin Smith making a play, going to his right, snagging a ball, and firing across the diamond, across his body. Uh, So some huge, huge defense on the infield did. The Guardians were hitting the ball hard early, and then Blackburn locks in. So that's kind of the next storyline of the game. We were giving him some shots early, but he ends up locking in, and he ends up getting 14 ground ball outs. 14 outs. He goes eight innings, gives up four hits, no runs, one walk, three strikeouts. So he wasn't really doing it with strikeouts, but 14 ground balls. And frankly, Paul Blackburn, up until this season, had not been that great of a pitcher. I mean, it's a guy who struggled. He's bounced up up and down a little bit for Oakland. Uh, last season, he got, uh, let's see, how many was it? Nine starts. It's the most starts since his rookie season of 2017 when he got 10 starts and went 3-1 and one with a 3-2-2 ERA. Uh, he only had six starts in 2018, one start in 2019, one start in the pandemic 2020 season with a 27 ERA, he took the loss in his only start, giving up seven runs in two and a third innings. Uh, gets nine starts last year, goes one and four with a 5.87 ERA. This year, he starts out five and zero, oh, loses the next two games, and then comes into this game against Cleveland and has a really fantastic game. So, in 12 starts now this season, he's got a 2.31 ERA. Um, yeah, he's absolutely his WHIP is down at 1.01. So what is different about Paul Blackburn? I mean, he's not our pitcher, but what is this guy doing that suddenly he's become one of the best pitchers in baseball? Well, I can tell you he's avoiding barrels. He's avoiding barrels. Now, there's hard hit balls, and then there are barrels. His hard hit percentage is also down. He was at 51.1% hard hit percentage in 2021. Now he's down at 391 
That's a little better. That's a little better. The barrels are have to do with the hard hit, the exit velocity, and the launch angle. So basically, you're looking for things that could be home run balls or doubles off the wall. So it's launch angle and exit velocity. He went from an 8.8 barrel percentage in 2021. He's down to a 3.6 right now. So he's avoiding those big shots right now. And it's the curveball that's working for him. He has increased his curveball percentage over the last three seasons. It's now a second most thrown pitch, I believe. Yes. Um, it's just above his cutter. He throws basically the curveball and the cutter the same amount, 16.8, 16.7% of the time. He still throws his two-seam sinker the most, but that pitch has been much more effective. Last year, they hit 354 off of his sinker. This year, they're only hitting 220. Last year, they hit 292 off the curveball. He threw it a few times, 12% of the time. This year, they're hitting 0.56 off of his curveball. And you saw how effective it was last night. Uh, they just kept hitting ground balls off it. So, yeah, so that's kind of the difference. He's always been a ground ball pitcher. He's always been above 50% for most of his career. Uh, his, his career average is 52.7% ground ball percentage. So he's always been a ground ball pitcher. And it was clearly on display last night. But yeah, the curveball, it's now up to... Last year, the curveball was at a plus four run value. This year, the curveball is at a minus eight run value. You think there's a difference there? I think there's a big difference there. The sinker's also better. Last year, it was a plus three run value. This year, it's a minus two. So yeah, so big differences for Blackburn there. Um, he's not really spinning it any differently or throwing it any harder. He's just... Using his pitch mix more effectively, maybe. It's a location thing, maybe. Um, you know, keeping the curveball down, maybe. It, it was really effective in this game. And uh, if you go to, it's interesting, if you go over to the Illustrator view on Baseball Savant, there's a thing called the radial view. And that basically shows you the launch angle. Um, it shows you a big half circle and shows you the launch angle of every ball that's hit. And you could see that Blackburn was keeping things right around that zero plane or below. I mean, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven balls that had a negative launch angle. And then I've got another four that were basically in single digits as far as launch angle goes. Um, so, yeah, so he's keeping a lot of things down there. As opposed to Tristan McKenzie on the other side, who's got a lot of things in that zero to 45 degree launch angle area. Gave up, you know, made a lot more fly ball outs. McKenzie has uh, only five ground outs, uh, four fly outs. There's probably a lot of line outs in here too. Because um, line outs for some reason never get counted in this ground out fly out thing. Uh, feels like they need to add another column, don't they? Uh, what about the line outs? So, uh, yeah, so McKenzie gives up a lot more stuff in the air, but he's still recording outs. So Blackburn and McKenzie uh, definitely duel on this one. Uh, nothing really in Blackburn's. The curveball had decent CSW numbers at 30. Um, he threw a couple of changeups in there that got four called strikes for 50% CSW on that pitch. It's only a 28% CSW total on the day for him. Now, McKenzie on the other side. Had himself a pretty good day as well. And uh, Francona talks about it after the game. He goes six innings, only gives up five hits, two earned runs on two solo home runs. He does give up two walks, but six strikeouts. So the fact that it's only two solo home runs, he only gives up five hard-hit balls on 97 pitches. So the fact that it's two solo home runs, Francona basically says, 
you know, we can kind of live with that. He says there's a lot of Hall of Fame pitchers that gave up a lot of solo home runs, right? It's the crooked numbers that suddenly make games out of reach, make games out of control. The solo home runs, you could kind of work with that, right? It's not as damaging. You can move past it pretty quickly. And that's what McKenzie does. I mean, he goes, he gets six strikeouts. His curveball was also very effective on the day. He throws it 22 times, slider 24, the fastball 51 times. And uh, not great CSW numbers on the fastball. They did foul a bunch off. But on the curveball, he gets seven whiffs on 11 swings on his curveball. A 64% whiff rate, plus five called strikes. It's good for a 55% CSW. Called strikes plus whiffs on that curveball. It's only 27% total on the day because the fastball wasn't as effective. But that curveball, my God, that was a nasty pitch for him on the day. And it's fun to watch him get uh, strikeouts. Actually, let's see what pitches... Got him his strikeouts. I'm guessing, I'm guessing it's going to be a lot on that curveball. Sure enough, yeah. Five of the six strikeouts come on the curveball, plus one slider to Ramon Laureano uh, down below the knees. So it's all chased pitches. It's all pitches off the plate. He got guys to expand their zone and chase that curveball. One curveball up to Tony Kemp that, frankly, Kemp has an argument. This thing's a couple inches off the plate. Uh, to the arm side for McKenzie, but he gets the called strike on an, an 0-2 count in the fifth inning. Uh, everything else is chased down below the knees. So that's big stuff from McKenzie on the day. He pitched. That's a quality start. You go six innings, gives up three runs or less. That's a quality start. It's exactly what McKenzie gave you on the day. He doesn't get the win. The win goes to Ghost in the ninth inning, but it's still a really good start from Tristan McKenzie. And the bullpen came in and did really good after him, right? It wasn't Class A. It wasn't Eli Morgan. It was some guys that have had some questionable outings. Uh, Sandlin still was a little bit wild. Sandlin uh, throws, let's see here, how many strikes? 16 pitches, only 7 strikes. He did have a walk. That's not really good. He let a runner get to third base, but then he gets a chopper that ends up coming right back to the mound. Frankly, Hits him in the rear end, in the in the upper thigh, maybe. That's hard to say. But it falls right at his feet. And he does the dance. The da- I can't find the ball dance. Where he jumps to his left, jumps to his right. Someone finally shouts, look down. He picks up the ball, throws the first. Do you realize that could have been the difference in the game right there? Right? I mean, that really could have been the difference in the game. To give up that third run in the seventh inning would have been a big problem. And a ball hit right back to him would have been just a silly run to give up. But luckily, Sandlin recovers and throws a strike. I mean, you want to talk about having trouble throwing strikes to home plate. He throws a strike to first base to get the out and get out of that seventh inning. Trevor Steffen comes in. He is throwing a D. I mean, he gets out of of the eighth inning and nine pitches, including a strikeout. Uh, He throws nine pitches, five strikes. And then Ghost is throwing strikes in the ninth inning. 17 pitches, 12 strikes. He gets two strikeouts in that ninth inning. Uh, Stefan gets his strikeout on a slider down that he gets Andrews to swing at. Ghost gets both of his. I know he's a fastball guy, but he gets both of his on sliders. Uh, he, uh, He gets Sean Murphy chasing one down in the zone. And then he freezes Kevin Smith for a call strike slider, I believe, to end that ninth inning there. So that's a great job by the Guardians bullpen. 
And speaking of amazing things, I, the most amazing, if they hadn't to come back, the thing I would have let off the show with was Trevor Steffen getting a comebacker hit right back to him to kick off the eighth inning from Christian Bethencourt. Now, I did some amateur math on this. Bethencourt hits this thing at 109.9 miles per hour, which if we, uh, if we use Google's help to convert that to feet per second, it's 161.187 feet per second. That's the exit velocity of the ball. If the mound is six feet, six inches away from home plate, based on my calculations, that's a reaction time from Trevor Steffen catching a comeback or a line driver right back at him. That's a reaction time of 0.38 seconds. That's how fast Trevor Steffen reacted to the ball and snagged this line drive off the bat of Bethancourt. That's, I mean, it was incredible. It was an absolutely incredible. I mean, he's lucky that ball was hit to his glove side and not at him. Because I don't know if he could react that fast if that ball's not basically hit right at his glove. All he's got to do is raise the glove and he gets it. But still, a 0.38 second reaction time. You know, you can check my math if you want to. I think I got that one. I think I nailed that one. Uh, So Trevor Steffen with an incredible play there. Uh, Yeah, there was good defense all around the field. Ahmed Rosario, I know we dog him, but he made a great diving catch to his left uh, early in the game uh, to take away a hit, probably to save a run. I believe there was a runner on second base when he makes this diving catch. So a huge defensive play from Ahmed Rosario, who I, yeah, we do. We dog him for his defense. He's still, he okay, Andres Jimenez is a great defender. We've had great defenders play shortstop. Ahmed Rosario, there's people that on Guardians Twitter like, oh, trash defense, oh, terrible, worst defensor, worst defensive shortstop we've ever seen. He's probably just an average defensive guy. We're a little bit too hard on Ahmed Rosario probably for his defense because we want to see Andres Jimenez playing that position or Gabriel Arias when he comes up. We haven't really gotten to see Arias' defense too much. Um, but yeah, he can still make a play every now and then. And Ahmed Rosario, give credit where credit's due, made a play in this game. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Uh, it's really, uh, it's really just an amazing win by the Guardians. It's a fun game, you know, a game that you probably felt was a little slow as it was going. You probably got a little sick of all the ground outs. I mean, there's three ground outs in that eighth inning. There's three ground outs in that seventh inning. Uh, going back to Oscar Gonzalez grounding out in the sixth inning. That is seven ground outs in a row that Blackburn used to end his night, to get through his eight innings. Seven ground outs in a row. That is pretty uh, crazy stuff right there. So, uh, yeah, it's just a great win by the Guardians. I'm pumped up. I'm just, I'm excited. I'm ecstatic about this one. I It was such a fun one. Um, yeah, so that's all my thoughts. That is all my thoughts on the Guardians win. Uh, we got to do it again today. Uh, we should have some nice weather today. Sunday for the game that's airing on Peacock. Ooh, I don't know about that one. Nah, there's rain and thunderstorms all day on Sunday. But Saturday's today's game, a 4 o'clock game, Eastern time here in Cleveland. Um, it should be a good one. Plesak, who's been pitching better of late, he even got interviewed on MLB Network because he's been pitching better of late, uh, is going up against Montas, who doesn't have a sterling record on the year, 2-6 and six with a 3.06 ERA, but we know he's a good pitcher. So Montas against Plesak, this is the one that I was looking at. 
of Oakland's going to sneak one out of this four-game set. It's probably going to be this one. So uh, we'll see what we can do against Montas, a guy who, you know, is on the trade block, who could be a target at the trade deadline, one of the one of the better pitchers in the American League. So we are going to have our work cut out for us in this one. Uh, he is a right-handed pitcher, so it shouldn't be too much fussing with the lineup. It should be Naylor and Jimenez in there and all those guys and Quan uh, going out there and seeing what they can do. So that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Progressive Field. It's the Guardians 3, the Athletics 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts. Hey, if you got thoughts on a comeback win, on a ninth inning win, let me know. Let me know how you were feeling last night watching this game. I was silently fist pumping in the air as I was watching the ninth inning on my phone while me and my wife were watching TV. So I was fist pumping on the couch uh, as I was watching it on my phone. Uh, let me know how you reacted to this, and we'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>